From Entrepreneur Media, this is Problem Solvers, a show in which entrepreneurs do what entrepreneurs do best, solve unexpected problems in their business. We were completely wrong. And I'm just like, it's not selling. It was like, we have to start from scratch. I'm Jason Pfeiffer, the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. At the very beginning, when you start a company, you are, of course, everything, right? You are the leader but you are also the salesperson and the marketing person and the product person and the design person, and you're responding to DMs on Instagram. And eventually, if you are lucky, you grow and you hire people to take over these roles and to grow them for you. And that probably for most people also includes somebody to respond to those things on Instagram, somebody to post things on Instagram and other forms of social media, somebody to be the social media manager. You either bring them in or you can outsource it. But either way, who has time for that? Well, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, you're too busy to do that. But I think it's one of the most important things that has helped build a community with backdrop is being human. So let me introduce you to this person who is not just running social media at Backdrop. Hello, I am Natalie Ebel. I am the co-founder of Backdrop. And Backdrop is? Backdrop is the new way to paint. We have transformed the entire painting process from start to finish, whether it be through the paint can design, the paint color names, the sampling process, and also the purchasing process to really make paint. And the reason I initially wanted to talk with Natalie was to talk about community building, right? This is something that every brand wrestles with. How do you get your audience to coalesce into a community, to be sharing tips and photos, to be basically advocating for you right there out in the open? And Backdrop has done a really, really good job of it, which it needed to, because this is a company that makes paint, that sells paint direct to consumer. And yeah, the paint names are really fun and the colors are great, but Backdrop didn't have a bazillion dollars to spend on constant photo shoots that it would just blast out into the internet. It needed its own users to become, well, public advocates. So how do you do that? Well, Backdrop has been very successful at it. The company has grown very significantly. It just got acquired. And so I wanted to talk with Natalie about all the different ways in which Backdrop has been community-focused. But I will be honest with you, the thing I did not expect her to say, which comes a few minutes into our interview, is that she is personally still running the company's Instagram. What? And also, yes, I love it. So here is what we are going to do today. I am talking with Natalie about how to build community and uh, why running your own Instagram, even as you are the co-founder of a thriving company that can afford to hire somebody else to do it, is such a great idea. All coming up after the break. Being a small business owner can be so fulfilling, rewarding, and let's be honest, a little scary from time to time. Doing your own thing and being your own boss is great, but sometimes it can make you feel like you are all alone, especially when things aren't going great. Well, the folks at State Farm want you to know that you are not alone. State Farm has thousands of agents who are small business owners too, so they know what it takes to protect everything you've worked so hard for. State Farm has an assortment of insurance policies for small businesses that can be tailored to your needs. So whether you're a hairstylist, an electrician, or a florist, State Farm agents are ready to help. Learn more and find an agent today at statefarm.com slash business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode of Problem Solvers is being presented by State Farm. 
All right, we are back with Natalie Ebel of Backdrop. And when I started talking to Natalie, I said, okay, set things up for me here. You're a young company. You're trying to establish yourself in a very crowded space with a kind of unorthodox approach. How do you start to get attention for this? When we thought about how do we take an approach to showing color online and how do we create something compelling for people to trust that process and actually buy into, I always look to the beauty category. Beauty is basically doing the same thing that we're doing in home design and in paint. And if if the beauty category only shows you foundation or lipstick in a tube, are you compelled to buy that with a Photoshop swatch? No. And I think about how I like to purchase as a consumer and I want to see that in real life on real people. I don't want to see it Photoshopped. And that was really the impetus of how do we create and build something that's real and gives people confidence to buy color online. So early on, like, how do you do that? I don't know. (laughs) We had to really figure that out ourselves, but that was our strategy. And like, we were really trying to solve for that. When we did our photo shoot early on, I remember talking about like, Hey, you know, are you guys going to Photoshop these rooms? How are you going to do that? I was like, well, that totally defeats the purpose of what we're trying to create with backdrop. If we want to show people our Photoshop skills, all the other industrial manufacturing paint brands are doing that. We need to show them real paint. So at our photo shoot, we shot real paint on real walls, celebrated the process of painting because historically that hadn't been done either. You really want to see like the dry roll, the corner roll, the blob. How does it look in all different forms? But then as we started to grow a community, I still remember our very first UGC post on Instagram. And it it was one of our early customers. Her name is Victoria. I am friends with her today. And that kind of shows you how organic, organically this is really built. But she had been painting a bathroom in LA. And I just got so excited because the way that she was showing the paint, the way that she was using the product, the way they were being playful with it, and even listening to the playlist that we created got me so excited that we were on to something. So early on in Backdrop, a lot of our UGC came from me screenshotting and asking customers, I love this. Can I screenshot it? Can I share it? Can you send me this photo? And traditionally before Backdrop, people one, didn't know the paint color that lived on their walls and two, never felt really compelled enough to talk about it like a brand or a design purchase. So, okay, let me take you back to when you said, we realized we should build a community. How do we do that? We have no idea, right? Because this is the first time you're building something like that. How do you even begin? And you just gave me an interesting starting point of an answer, which is, well, the first thing that you did is literally like scour the internet or follow every tag or whatever it was that you were doing yeah. to identify people who are using and sharing your product and then engaging with them directly. But how did you actually start to very consciously bring people together and encourage the kind of sharing that was happening in a small way organically, but that obviously you wanted to encourage and grow? I think the foundation in any of that is just create brand and creating something that people want to talk about. And I think really that strategy started with the benchmark of any good brand is creating something that people want to share and talk about. And then also thinking outside of the category for us. And then I would say the third thing is really not shying away from the process. Traditionally in paint, you would always see the paint and the can, and then the paint and the Photoshopped room. So our approach to this was how do you celebrate the in-between moments, celebrate paint like a design and like an art project and make an experience out of it. And again, like that had never been something that people wanted to show was the in-between moments. And that was really important to us to bring that to life. But I think again, the benchmark of any social sharing or UGC or community building is creating something that people want to talk about and creating something that people want to be a part of. And 
how do you begin to foster that? Okay, I get it. Brand, right? You want people to engage with, to think of you. You're not just the random utility paint that they've put on their wall. They're thinking of it as part of a story that your brand is telling. And mm-hmm. they're sharing it because they like the product and also they like their handiwork, right? They, they've come home, they've taken it, they've done something great to their home. It makes for right. a nice photo. They're going to share it. But where do you go from there as you are thinking about being a brand, building a community? And I, I ask this in part to draw from your own experience, but also as you have now done this, what you advise others who are in that early stage themselves. I think a big part of that early on with Backdrop was one, we were scrappy. We were small. We still are fairly small, even though we just got acquired. But my husband and I and my partner, Caleb, he and I have ran everything from customer service. We know great brands need the foundation of good customer service. I ran Instagram and still run Instagram. I like to be close to our customers. I like to talk to them. Wait, we don't you talk still to them. run Instagram? What does that mean? You still run Instagram? You run, I mean, I, you run your brand's Instagram? I do. And I think that a lot of people are like, oh, you know, you're too busy to do that. But I think it's one of the most important things that has helped build a community with backdrop is being human. Uh, We could outsource that. We could have a social agency do it. But like the times that I've engaged with brands where it's very manufactured and just like a copy and paste response, it reminds you like, you know, it's fake and people want something real. People want to know people behind the brand. They want to know they're talking to a real person and they want real answers. And yeah, we, we do have a customer service team now, but it's still really important to me that I stay close to the brand in that aspect. I see what people are buying. I see what people are purchasing. I see what gets people excited and what they're talking about. And I don't know if that's the case for every single person for a good piece of advice of, hey, the founder should run the Instagram, but we haven't shied away from those little things because I think the man- the little things manifest into the big things. And that's been a big part of the brand for Backdrop. I love that. I have not heard somebody else tell me that, which doesn't mean that you were the only person doing it, but it's first time founder. I mean, it's like arguable. Like I don't spend a ton of time doing it, but but it's important. And it's hard for me to give up. And I think like when you create something and you build something from scratch and you're so close to it, like those little things eventually will be handed over. But that's something that I still hold pretty close to me. Yeah. Well, it's a direct line to your audience, which you you don't have in many other ways, right? Right. I mean, you could sit there and like read every email that's coming in, but that's going to be crazy making, but being able to see the images and getting a just broad sense of what people are doing and saying and thinking is really powerful. It actually reminds me of something that I do myself for my own personal Instagram and, and all social, which is that I have made a commitment to myself and to my followers that I will respond to literally every DM. I say it all the time. And I do it. And it, it's it's a lot of work. I do it basically in like random moments. You know, it's like you're you're standing at the microwave for a minute while something's heating up and then you like go and just respond to DS. Oh uh, my God. I can't tell you how many times I've done that. And so <laughs> I have a, we have a four-year-old and we have a three month, she's four months now. And there's been so many times that like, you know, I'll even be with my kids and we get something that pops up and it's very exciting. And I'm writing back on DM and then my child's hitting the phone. But I do think that's the human part of building a brand. And something that was really important to us. People ask us all the time, what was your social strategy or UGC strategy? It was treating everyone like they are an influencer. I don't really subscribe to the influencer world. We get people asking us all the time, like, hey, I have a million followers. I'll trade you paint for product. Sure. Like, do you have great taste? Is this something that we would share on Backdrop's Instagram? But really something that I learned early on and when I was building backdrop early on with Caleb. I was also working on the side for Rachel Blumenthal, who started Rockets of Awesome. And I learned from her that every friend group has a queen bee. How do you find like the queen bee of every friend group? 
and they can influence just as much as someone as a million followers. And that is something that we've really subscribed to and set the foundation of our strategy since day one. And I really believe in that like a hundred percent that follower count does not mean anything. Good taste and influence among friends is more important. Yeah. And you will miss that if you withdraw from that kind of engagement in that space, which is the reason I was telling you about the respond to the DM thing. Like, you know, people have said to me, why don't you just outsource that? Or why I have an assistant. Why doesn't the assistant just respond to everybody? And the answer is because the point isn't just to respond, although right. that is important. The point is that I am getting a sense of what people are responding to, which helps totally. me know what to do next. Right. And that's a human element that I think is really important that every brand keeps. Because the second you start outsourcing it, people can see right through that. What did you find as you started to share more? You said UGC a number of times, user-generated content for people who don't know what that means. So as you started to broadcast to your customers that if they post something, it's possible that it's going to show up on your Instagram, that you're going to encourage that kind of stuff. Did you see engagement with people shift engagement? Did people start to do it more? Did they start to do it more cleverly? How did that happen? Oh, totally. And I think it's kind of the show don't tell thing. Like I see brands all the time, like tag us for a chance to be featured. Like I always think like, would I say that to my friends? Like would I talk to my friend group like that? (laughs) No. So we don't do that. But I think it's kind of like the show don't tell. So as we get UGC, as I post it, kind of showing them, like I would say, Jason's backdrop is disco nap. And then I see people posting, my new backdrop is Disco Nap. And a part of building the brand was creating really heroic names that people could feel a part of that tell a story they want to be associated with, they hold on to and remember. And that started early on. Surf Camp was one of our first names that we created and kind of set the foundation for how we name our paint colors. And actually, that was a really important part of building the brand, just as much as choosing that color was creating a name that was heroic to go with it. And we see the people holding on to the name names, talking about the names and starting to do that. So it was kind of just this domino effect after those first couple months. We're going to take a short break to hear a word from our sponsor. And when we come back, yes, I promise I am going to ask the question that you have on your mind right now, which is how do you name a color? How do you do that? Coming up. I was once traveling in Asia and my favorite basketball team was playing a huge game and I wanted to watch it, but I could not. You know why? Because NBA League Pass wouldn't let me because I was out of the country and that is nuts. And that is why I love NordVPN. NordVPN allows you to access content from anywhere in the world, regardless of where you are in the world. It also does all sorts of great things. You don't have to sacrifice internet speed for better security because with NordVPN, internet traffic is routed through a secure encrypted tunnel, which protects your data and privacy. Also, you can have NordVPN on up to six devices, laptop, phone, smart TV, iPad, even your router. So all your devices are protected. And right now, NordVPN is hosting a Cyber Month deal. So just go to nordvpn.com slash solvers or use the code solvers to get up to 73% off your NordVPN plan, plus a bonus gift. Again, that is Nord, N-O-R-D, vpn.com slash solvers. All right, we're back talking with Natalie of Backdrop. And of course, only one question on the mind. Do you come up with a name that in your own kind of logic, actually, how do you name a color? 
How do that you, is a very what, good question. What is and, disco nap, right? Like I'm thinking, I'm like, what would disco nap be? Well, I think of disco, I guess I, for some reason, I think of red, which isn't meaningful in any way. I don't know why, but of course I don't think of red with naps. I think of blue or darkness with naps. I don't know what color disco nap is. How did, what yeah, is that? I think that's okay. Like I never want it to be too on the nose. Like, sure. I could name our green perfectly burnt Swiss chard, but like do you want that on your wall? I don't. Um, so even like Sage or another name. So Disco Nap is actually a light acid yellow. It's one of our best sellers. And to launch that color, we actually tapped into one of our early customers too. His name's Wilfredo. And he painted his room for us, has really good taste. And just tapping into our community to help launch colors has been really important as well. But how do you name paint colors? I think that we took a really different approach than anyone else in the paint category, because if I told you we have a paint color named Shy Boys, what color do you think that is, right? Blue? I don't know. <laughs> no, exactly. It's totally opposite. It's like a, a true pink. Yeah. And I... The I original from... boys color. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because pink was originally but, a, a color for boys. Yeah. But I don't really like playing into the gender categories either. And it was important that each color has a persona. What does it sound like? What does it feel like? What is the experience of it? And even with all of like, I've always been very inspired by music. And so that's why I say, what does it sound like? Because music can give you a feeling. So how do we create that feeling with color? But also how do you draw a narrative behind it? I, I started my career in publishing. So storytelling has always been a really important part of anything I do. How do you create something that people want to hold on to, that tell a friend, share something with a friend? And that's kind of the approach of paint naming that we've taken, creating something heroic, memorable. I guess a, a preview, I don't know when this is going to air, but we have a color coming out called Silver Lake Dad. And I joke that it's like the persona of Kayla, my husband, where it's like, you know, you're cranking morning edition, driving away from school drop off at a really respectable speed. <laughs> and then you go get your like your pour over coffee. And it just creates a persona and something fun rather than the other paint brands of names such as like OC1924, which no one remembers. Right. Let me rewind for a minute to something that you just sort of breezed past that sounds interesting, which is there was a person who you have tapped into their network to help name the color. No, to help launch the color in terms help of like launch painting the color. their room. Uh, so that kind of plays into like, sure, I could have photoshopped a room of Disco Nap, but instead they painted, I think it was their office with Disco Nap and created content for us. And I always joke, I was like, you're a paint influencer. Like I never thought I would become a paint influencer. I was like, but with backdrop you are. <laughs> so wait, tell me more about that because that sounds like a really smart addition to community building and to making sure that you're fostering creative ways to be showcasing the colors. So you have identified, well, who is this person? Is this like a super user? Is this an influencer whose name I didn't recognize? I didn't, I didn't know who you were talking no, about. No, I mean, just like an early customer and a fan of the brand and had used our paint before. So I think I had even like DM'd and I said like, hey, this color's coming out. Do you want to paint it? I'd love to send you paint and supplies and everything. Everything. And I, I did that with Disco Nap, with Shy Boys, Jessalyn, who's also an early customer who I became friends with. And now we DM all the time and talk about things other than paint and follow each other personally. That's like kind of the core of community building, treating people how you would want to be treated, being resourceful, using what is at your fingertips and really tapping into that and what feels organic for your brand. And this creates so much buy-in from your customer. So there's the personal relationship to be built with you, which for somebody who likes your product must be a real thrill. I mean, I think founders often forget. Oh, I don't know. Be- 
I don't think it's yeah. that exciting. But like, you know, no, it's but really you, cool. you are like, you forget that, you know, you're dismissing it. But if somebody goes out there and really and buys a product and really likes it and is like mm-hmm. literally living in it, right? Because they've painted their walls with it and had thought to tag the brand or whatever, and then built a relationship with the founder, that's a mini celebrity moment. Which I'm not saying that to be like, but I'm saying that to be like, you have the founder of a company has a a specialness to them that they may forget that they have as it relates to the consumer that they're reaching. Right. And I think how I want to be talked to as a consumer, treated as a consumer. And I've had brands reach out to me, but again, in a formulaic way of like, if you do this, we'll do this. Will you do this for us in post? And like, I don't respond well to that. So it's just talking to people how they want to be talked to not talking at them, but talking to them. But then the other thing that was really interesting is that you, so you've turned to a user and you said, will you launch this color? Which is to say, we trust you to bring you into our process. We've handed this over to you, which is one way, a a kind of crazy handing over of control that some more contrived brands would not consider, but is a really powerful thing to do with a consumer that of course then is going to engender all this trust and love from them, but also they're going to want to do a really, really good job. And that's, yeah. and that's a really helpful thing when you're launching a new item. Yeah. And I think it's fun too, because you get to be a part of launching something. But I, I think that again, like the people that I've worked with have really good taste. I do trust. I think that they come up with creative things that I wouldn't even think about. And I love that element of the collaboration because if I were launching the new color every time painting the same room, it's going to look the same. But when you tap into people with different tastes, different ideas, something new comes out of it every time. What do you think, as a just sort of closing thought, what do you think all of this uh, community building, user-generated content, relationships did for the brand that would not have been there for the brand had it just been a really good product and a really good sales and distribution system? I mean, what, 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 in the hardware store. Like, I think that that already exists. The important thing for us is how do you think outside of the category? How do you create a brand and paint as a design purchase? Because it historically has not been. And I always like to think of backdrop as a design purchase. It's as impactful as like a $5,000 sofa, but it's easy to get as like a $60 throw pillow. And when you say, what would backdrop be? Backdrop wouldn't be a brand if we took the same approach that these industrial manufacturing paint companies had taken previous to us. It would just be another like number in on the wall that you didn't know the name of. Last thing, tell me about the acquisition. Yeah, super exciting. We were acquired by FSCO, which is a hundred year old heritage luxury design house. It's actually, it happened the same month that I had my second child. So it was very busy. Yeah, but I bet. It, it's a really exciting move for us. Schumacher has this hundred year old experience, but also approaches things in a really entrepreneurial spirit and has all of the resource now and infrastructure that we can tap into to continue to grow a category extension that they previously didn't have. So they have wall coverings, they have rugs, and now they have paint. And I think the fun thing about this is when you're scrappy and don't raise a ton of capital early on as a brand, it allows more acquisition opportunity and more exit opportunity. So we had multiple offers and it's been really exciting to join the FSCO family and continue to grow and just like hit the gas on making the next great American paint brand. Amazing. Well, Natalie, congratulations on it all. And thanks so much for sharing this. Thank you. And that's our episode. I would love to hear what you think and maybe even about a problem that you solved. You can find me at my website, jasonpfeiffer.com, J-A-S-O-N-F-E-I-F-E-R.com. 
Also, I have some more useful stuff for you. I write a newsletter about how to future-proof yourself and become more adaptable and optimistic. I would love for you to sign up. It is at jasonpfeiffer.bulletin.com. Also, check out my other podcast. It's called Build for Tomorrow. In each episode, I take on some belief that we have that holds us back from progress and show you why it is not as bad as you think. Problem Solvers is a production of Entrepreneur Media and comes out every Monday morning, so make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Thanks to Deepa Shah for production. My name is Jason Pfeiffer. See you next week.